it's been both my core mission, the topic in that TED topic, how we need to reach out in an increasingly complex world to cultivate allies who think very differently than us, but we agree on a sweet spot of shared interest. I think that's the future in business and in a meaningful life. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. This podcast was created so that you would have direct access to the true stories of what it's like being a businesswoman, the real true journey of very savvy, very smart businesswomen. If you love these stories, then make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com and opt in so that you can get updated on all the latest podcast interviews, as well as how you can become a more active part of the whole Biz Women Rock community, which kind of rocks. So go to bizwomenrock.com. I could not be more excited to have Kari Anderson on the show today so that you have an opportunity to hear from this phenomenal woman. She's an Emmy Award-winning former journalist for The Wall Street Journal and NBC. She currently contributes as a writer to Forbes, to Huffington Post. She is a famed speaker. She's a consultant. She creates product, uh, building partnerships. Uh, She's just an all-around awesome lady. During this interview, we really go into a couple different points that I think are fascinating. Number one is how to engage your listeners, your readers, your clients. She has such a beautiful perspective on that. We also talk about her experience being a speaker for TED, which is Technology, Entertainment, and Design, TED, if you've ever heard of TED Talks. Uh, So she has been featured multiple times as uh, a TED speaker. And I mean, one video in particular, which is phenomenal, has like 1.4 million views. So Uh, She ain't no small thing, you know. She knows her stuff. So we talk about uh, her experience at TED, the impact that it's had uh, for her personally and for her business, and really the overall tone of this conversation is one that was so different than every other interview I've ever done because you could tell she is a creative, she is a big thinker, she is a person who really has so much passion about changing the way that we all do things um, for the better and ha- making a bigger impact. So her, the the message that she gives in here is just tremendous, will blow your mind, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get going with Kari. Kari, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Oh, it's an honor. Oh, well, it's an honor for me to have you here. Um, I am so excited to have you here. You are a very well-known speaker, uh, consultant. You have had an incredible career as a journalist. Uh, You've won an Emmy Award for uh, your work. And I just am so fascinated by the history that you've had and the business journey that you've had all these years. So um, one of the things that I would love to start with is, you know, as of right now, your business really consists of your speaking, your consulting, and creating products. Um, but you you started out as a journalist back in the day. So I would love to know kind of a little <laughs> bit about that journalist um, profession and what it has taught you uh, in, now that you can kind of look back with 2020 vision and what kind of things you learned back being a journalist that have really impacted who you are now. 
That's such a great question. I was a daydreamer, a stutterer growing up. My father told the Portland Oregonian I should do a column. He neglected to say my age, so at age 15, I started writing. And I think what holds me in good stead in a business is to t- really deeply notice when you're creating something and sharing it, what resonates? What do people ask questions about? Especially, what do they complain about? So back when I did the column, when I started, some of them got a lot of responses, some of them didn't. But the things when people want to add on their own ideas to it, I thought, oh, this is cool. I want to go out of my way to honor people who added intelligent ideas onto what was in my column. I want to reinforce them. And that's true in business. When you have customers that say, why don't you add this feature, delete this, or this is what was most helpful for me, and I used it in this situation, not only listen closely and prove that you care, which people inadvertently don't, but make them look good in front of other people. Say, this feature is called, the, and I actually call it a doobie feature. There's a friend whose first name is Doobie, unfortunately. I said, this doobie feature <laughs> enables people to add their own comments, but have it be visible on other sites that matter to them. Mm. And so I named the feature after him. So listen closely. Journalists that are good, not only listen closely, but one of my heroes told me to shut up sooner. (laughs) That's what we call the shut up sooner. He said, ask a question, and when they answer, shut up. Listen, just be quiet. And they're going to add something else because they get insights. And you smile at them warmly and listen closely and even write and prove that you're listening. And they'll say a third thing, and that's often the real gem. It's more specific. They'll say, for example, so in business, I say, that's interesting. How did you come to that conclusion? What else would you want beside that? So when you're standing up as a speaker, when do people move around? When do they get out their smartphones? (laughs) Um, So... Listening closely is probably and praising people for how they've added to it in ways that are visible to those that matter to them. I think that's my long-winded answer to your first question. <laughs> well, Kari, I, what I love about what you just said is that as a journalist, so many times, as a writer, a speaker, I mean, all of these sorts of things, most times you're sort of um, – you know, at least I get this feel from a lot of journalists is that it's like a one-way conversation. Like, here's my opinion about X, and that's it, and I'm just going to give it to you. How, but you're talking about really engaging and listening. How, what sort of tips have you learned along all these years of being a really profound writer that helps engage (laughs) the readers? Like, allows, not just asking questions, but really, like, allows them to want to make comments on that particular blog post or want to make, um, you know, email you separately and, and just say, wow, here's my thoughts on this. Like, what what strategies have you learned all these years to really elicit engagement from readers? Well, I work for the Wall Street Journal and then NBC. They're very different. And what you always want are people that are impressed that you're fair and you've got angles in the story that were helpful to them. And I think that's still the high standard for business as well. So my goal was to figure out angles of a story that other people might be hearing about, but no one else is covering. So I might interview people that are maybe not the logical ones, but they may have some slant that other people haven't thought of. Hmm. And whether that's news or an ongoing trend. And so the same thing holds in business. Who are you really serving? If you, how, what are your niche markets? What do they value? What do they hate? Where do they spend their time and money? 
And the more that you customize something distinctly to certain niche groups, you always have spillover to others. But I think one of the biggest problems in business is not getting real clear and specific about the core traits that your um, most enduring customers have as it relates to your product and in their life in general. I love that. That is such great wisdom, by the way, being very, you know, like every great business person will say that every great, you know, consultant will say that like, you really need to get clear, you know, in podcasting, we call it the avatar, you really need to get very, very clear on who your ideal one client is your one customer is what's important to them, what the values are, why they are attracted to you, why they connect with you, why they do business with you, all that stuff. And I think sometimes as as business owners, we, um, you know, like we're moving at a thousand miles a minute. So we often forget to go that deep. So I think that's a really good point of view. Go slow to go fast, I say. For example, in speaking, it's not just your topic, but who do you excel at and who do you get irritated with? And I won't say the latter part, but there's, I make money off of certain speeches where the people like it, but I'm not as stirred by them. And I realized, for example, I like speaking to audiences where they deal with complex things. They have to think on their feet, and it's high-stakes issues. So it's often trial lawyers, surgeons, venture capitalists. They're the kind of people, if they find you boring, they'll get up in the audience and amble out of the room. Right. Um, But also, one in 30 of them, to use the language, is an S, H. Um, (laughs) But that means if you turn them around... And instead of making them wrong, you show them a better way. Because my, my work is around connective behavior. Mm-hmm. And yet they see a light without being made wrong, but more right. They say, I get that. I like that. So um, that so meeting planners will often hire me where um, it's a high-stakes situation for them as well. Um, and other people are better at other audiences. Right. When did you start speaking professionally? Like, when did you actually start getting paid to speak? <laughs> Well, I was really lucky. Um, the first time, and it was nine years ago, someone apparently got ill and um, the, he needed someone to replace him in a speech. He says, I'm going golfing with a guy who runs a um, speaker's bureau in Chicago. He's a misogynist. He says it himself. He thinks women aren't really compelling on stage or credible. So go golfing with us. I says, does it matter to you? I don't know how to golf. He said, um, well, it should, but it won't. So we went out golfing. And the guy loved talking to me because I was a journalist. He still couldn't believe the Wall Street Journal would hire a woman. And um, I found him really funny underneath all the snarky things he was saying to me. He just cracked me up laughing. And at the end of it, my friend who'd hosted this, he said, um, since I have to go in for a medical procedure in front of her, I suggest you have Kari speak instead of me. Wow. And he just hit the ball away really off and hit a tree. He was so mad. <laughs> and, and I said, what's the worst that could happen? We can have scotch afterwards. So he said, okay. And so it wound up working well. And I was the first one he'd had. And so it just sort of leapt into being paid. Wow. But I will say something else very briefly. I believe in having a very close-knit team of not more than six people where you have complementary talents, but you serve the same niche market. And there's ways that you might co-create a product or cross-refer or to your best clients, whether those people, the top 5% who spend the most, mm-hmm. give them a gift that's provided by one of your partners, and they do the same, and you reciprocate. So, for example, Kohler, two years ago, 
Kohler, the shower handles and stuff. Yep. They put Kohler shower heads into a whole line of um, hotels at cost to introduce it because the first time they, I, I think they call it Rainforest, but it comes from the top down and you can have nine different versions of it. So people had the first-hand experience of it and the, the hotel set, um, had these beautiful signs that said stand in the rainforest and come out cleaner or something. And so it was a mutual benefit. So see how you leverage off of the way you can access a common market by being valuable together. Right. I love that. I'm a huge advocate for strategic partnerships and for constantly sort of, I call it like locking shields, like lock shields with other people who have the same market that you have and you guys can really help each other out and leverage one another. I like that. I had a a blog post called How We Partner and it's still online. So if you look up How We Partner plus my name, Kari Anderson, or you look up the word smart partnering, you'll see a bunch of articles about very concrete ideas to smart partner. Mm, I love that. I'm going to go ahead and link to that in the show notes page. So, um, well, so yeah, everyone can go ahead and uh, click there too to be able to have a quick link to it. So, um, so we're talking about your speaking career and what a beautiful story on how it started. Um, you have been featured in a few different TED videos, and I want to talk a little bit about how that ended up happening um, and what your experience was like there. I think it, it, as a TED lover myself and somebody who's been watching TED videos for years, I'm so fascinated not, not only by the forum, by, but by the process in which people actually you know, are chosen and get to be featured there. So how were you chosen um, or how did you apply to be a TED speaker um, in the beginning and how ha- what has the experience been like for you? I must say whenever I've tried to get something, it hasn't worked out as well as when something falls into my lap because of someone I've been there for. That's why I, a mutuality mindset, which is the topic of my TEDx Berkeley. And there's a man who's revered, Prasad Kappa. He wrote From Smart to Wise. And he was going to be a speaker there, and he instead had to go to India. So he proposed me, and apparently such strong terms, they said yes, and they thought they were lucky to get me. So it was a reverse sell. Nice. I like that. I'll just say, <laughs> um, the TED Talk... It was just a miracle. 7,000 people applied. And so someone asked me to, and I was I proposed something about opportunity makers. And this woman came on um, a video to watch me, and I was so touched by her presence, her warmth. And she said, here's what I think you could have done better on the TEDx, but this is underneath who you are, and you were covering up for yourself. And I was about ready to cry because she was right. Wow. And, and she made several of the points in a warm way. The more you're candid and specific with someone and you give them insights, I think it's much better than just being nice. And so I just, I wanted to burst out and say, I don't care what happens, you just helped me a lot. But I thought it would be like sucking up to her. So we talked for about 15 minutes, and then she said, well, you know, I've chosen you, right? And so I started crying. (laughs) And she said, well, that's not usually the response. But Juliet Blake is the co-producer of A 100-Foot Journey, along with Steven Spielberg and, and Oprah. Wow. I mean, she's just famous all over, and that was who it was. Wow. And, and she, she was so insightful about bringing something out of me, because I don't talk about me very much in my regular speeches. Right. Or I was raised not to. And you're supposed to start. So the formulas start with a revelation, a breakthrough, and extrapolate out from that. Um, so that was a mind changer. But you're right. It's kind of a miracle that that many people have watched it. So I've gotten nutty emails and I got profound ones. And going back to that, 
certain people have just reached out and then looked at the site and said, come and speak. But again, going back to what I said on the top, it's the reasons. I started writing down the reasons, typing them. I've got a spreadsheet of the reasons. So always notice what other people say because it's always startling. They found that was helpful. Mm -hmm. I thought this was my most important thing. So it's, as a mind-wise author, Nicholas Epley said, we overestimate how much we understand other people and ourselves. And um, there's a book by Halverson called Nobody Understands You and What You Can Do About It that also came out. So just notice that we're largely unaware of what we're really doing with other people a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, and that's the particular video that you were talking about, the TED video that I had watched. And I think it was like 1.4 million people had watched it. And it was <laughs> captivating. It's really a captivating talk. And... um I mean, just super powerful. So, you know, you Thank mentioned you. this a, a little bit, but I want to I want to dig a little bit more into this. The, uh, you know, you've heard of like the Shark Tank effect, right? And so, like the 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 yes. impact that that a company gets or a person gets because of the visibility there. And I think that there's like a TED effect. So, you know, you mentioned people kind of, you know, yes. whether they were nutty or whether they were super cool emailing you. Um, how did that impact the, the business side of you? I, I mean, were people now saying, okay, I want you to come speak and now they, you didn't have to do any selling for that? Or did you, you know, acquire certain clients? Like, did that give you more insight as to what new thing, new materials, new ideas you could really do? What was the real impact to your business? Well, it's been huge. I mean, I was doing fairly well, but it, they do have a global presence. And the people who um, translate it into other languages are quite good, and they do that as a donation. So we still average, and that was back in October, we averaged 200 emails a day about it. Wow. But I think most of all is how purposeful and explicit you are about what your top talent is. That was part of my message. And what you're not good at. And how diverse are your allies? Because what I did is I turned back to these people who've been with me and for me for a long time. And I said, here's some opportunities that I've gotten. If we do this together, like I'd like to do a stand-up with you on stage where we're kidding each other and we actually act irritated. And we go through a range of moods. because that's. And then we talk about how connection happens. And we have a waiter in the audience because it's during a luncheon speak up and say, could you get back to the topic, please? In other words, let's have fun with it. So I can say ideas that I think are really hot. And I must say, because of the halo of TED, people say, okay, I'll try it. Mm. Um, so it's been both my core mission, the topic in that TED topic, how we need to reach out in an increasingly complex world to cultivate allies who think very differently than us, but we agree on a sweet spot of shared interest. I think that's the future in business and in a meaningful life. And I've always done it, but now I've got all these opportunities to sort through, um, I'm, you know, Singapore, um, Barcelona. My core thing is things are really bad for certain people in the world. And if I can create virtuous circles, that is ways I perpetuate doing a business with people in those countries where it builds their brand and they can build off of it and it helps economic develop for the poorest of the poor, that's my next mission. So I guess if you get real focused, you know where you want to grow your business and your life. Yeah. What has been one of the most challenging moments that you've had throughout your whole career? Like maybe a really dark time and how did you get through it? I think at the time I chose to get a divorce. I chose to rethink, should I be working in a large company? Um, 
And I questioned my judgment about everything. And I think the saving grace was going to three people who I really respected to be candid and say, is this the path for me? Here's my reasons for doing it. Where am I going? And believing they'd be confidential, concrete, and candid. That's alliterative. I have a brain that goes alliterative. You know if I don't want to. Um, You're a writer. I think all writers do that. (laughs) That that could be. But, you know, it's like saying how fast you can lose a reputation. Those relationships you have to cultivate for a long time and know that they will keep those traits. And you don't need 100 people that way. I mean, it's wonderful to have a large following, but it's even more vital to have certain people that'll be there for you no matter what and that you've done that for them and you made the rules of engagement that you would talk candidly. Say, I don't agree with you for this reason. Well, I'm still going to do it for this reason. I'll just say one other related thing. I really admire Adam Grant who wrote Give and Take. Um, and he says there's givers, takers, and matchers. I think even more important than giving is to be creating a mutuality around sweet spots of shared interest. Then you're growing both of you. It's not that you don't give, and it's not quid pro quo. It's an ebb and flow over time. But my some of my strongest allies, one I met last week will be so the rest of my life. Others, it's been 30 years. Right. But iteratively... If I offer something to them, I say, this might be helpful to you, this article or this person. They say, no, actually not. This is why. So instead of taking it personal and say, oh, boy, I was trying to help them, I'm snarky of them. Instead, to listen closely because we're getting iteratively better about how to be better help for each other. And I really believe, just to finish that out, the rule of three, three unlikely allies who take a stand in a certain setting with an object and say, we don't really get along in a lot of ways, but this one we do, and we strongly advocate you support this cause or you buy this product or you adopt this idea or tell us one that's better. That's the future. It has interestingness. It has actionability, and it's relevant. I call it AIR, which is the formula for being quotable. Hmm. People do that. It's a richer, more interesting life. And say, let's go squabble afterwards about how you've got the wrong idea of who should be president. But right now, let's da-da-da-da. Right. <laughs> so we kid about it. And I, what I love about that, and it's incredibly profound, is that you've, I mean, there are real tangible ways that you've been able to produce products um, and things that are helping people by using this exact model, by partnering with people. So can you... Can you walk me through, you know, like a tangible example of a particular product that you have created or offering that you've been able to create for people to help them using this model of um, of mutuality, of being able to really, you know, build on each other's um, strengths? Sure. I'll be very concrete. I book, wrote a book called Mutuality Matters. It sells for $4 online, has over 300 tips, but it cites over 200 other people. So I made allies out of people, some of whom had never heard of me before. And it has a resource listing in the back. And I say, if you found this overarching topic relevant for you, you probably have an idea that I can include in my next edition of this book. So I built in bragging rights, ways other people can add value and get visibility for it. And then they build on it. When you use the VOOC technology, Viz and Victor OOK, you can have up to 12 videos plus text, plus images, so, you know, that makes things come alive. So my next one will have videos one minute called Gloop, G-L-O-O-P-T. They can make a one-minute video framed in text. They can share it on their site, have it in the book. 
But again, they won't all be of me. They'll be mostly of other people. Another one is, I'm saying, I'm speaking at this fabulous conference called Meeting Planners International World Education Congress. People from all over the world. I love that global interaction. But we're going to do something where people can download that app and we say, so it's not all about me or the other speakers. What if you asked one question of colleagues when you came to this conference in San Francisco? What tip is one of your favorites about how to make meetings more meaningful? Who told you that tip or is it your idea? So I can hold up my iPad or my iPhone. I, they can say their tip. They look good. They get bragging rights. They may have cited someone's important. I type in the text and frame it. You can see examples on my Say It Better site. But imagine those are floating up in the ether. They're searchable. Um, so it starts bubbling up for people that couldn't attend the conference or people at it. And we'll have a wall of those photo of those images on one wall. So in other words, it's not all about me. And whoever's are most shared, imagine I'm doing a talk. And there's many, many, many more people talking about another an, an attendee who resonated much more with them than what I said. Hmm. So it's about merit. It's not about position or title. It's who's most helpful. What I love about that is it really speaks to, um, you know, kind of this general idea that we all know, which is like win-win. And, you know, just this idea of really helping each other out and really, and, you know, the, the rising tide raises all boats. Like, that's what keeps going through my mind right now is that, you know, there's, yes, there's, always, yes. there's always this opportunity for win-win and to be able to, to really leverage each other up. So. Yeah, very well put. Yes. How have you mentioned technology? You mentioned, um, you know, an app, you mentioned people being able to interact. How, um, how have you really leveraged technology for spreading these ideas and that you're so passionate about? By befriending people who can do what I can't do. Janine Warner, she knows how to create online courses and the content on them. So she got me on Creative Live where they do that. And I make money off every time someone buys the product that I appeared on. Um, I think you, you find people, and it may be apps since everything is so mobile, but it may be something physical, too. I'm working with these people in India where they're making um, these signs, digital and physical, from some of my sayings, but they're inviting people to come up with their own signs to add to it. So I'm getting licensing. I believe in licensing a lot. Um, I'm going to create an online site where people contribute the best tips on the topic around opportunity makers and tag them and force choice vote on them once a contest period, and whoever gets the, the most popular tips is going to get e-coupons. So I don't know how to do a site like that, but I've interviewed three potential people from friends who said you can trust if they say they can do it, they really can. Right. So you need trusted people who say this person can do what they say they're going to do and then try it out. But we definitely should try to contract out most everything except our top talent. Mm. Then we have to try to figure out how to talk to each other. <laughs> I love that. So I want to I want to dig into that. So your top talent, you know, you're very clear on what you're great at and what you're not great at and what you can get help with, right? So how exactly. do you how do you structure your day around that? And and I mean the underlying question is like how do you remain productive? But you know, the the sister kind of comment on that is obviously by doing things that are within your core talent. But I mean, how do you literally structure your day that allows you to to keep on moving forward the way that you're doing in your business? 
Well, first of all, it's to really identify that top talent. I see patterns so I can figure out how a company can be recalibrated, uh, add to, reach niche markets, and do the messaging. Uh, I'm not good in any kind of tech. I have a double helix brain, which means I have gaps. You know, some people are weak areas. Mm -hmm. I have actual lack. Um, So not that I'm good at it, but I'm getting better. I focus during my prime time. Almost universally, most people are prime time is mid-morning. And I do my most my stuff that I'm best at during that time. And I make sure that nothing else interferes except when I get tempted and I go off the skids. Right. Um, and I think that's important. And then identifying the people that can do the technology for the stuff that you can't. And making sure that you not only find out that they can do it and you trial them in a short way, but as soon as any vendor I've worked with has done a great job, I make sure a whole lot of people know about it and they get more business. Mm, I love that. It's just really important. It's not just selfish. It's just, it feels good. And to be very specific, they did this. That's why I picked them over alternatives. So the more, I believe in specificity builds credibility and clarity and memorability. So do that with your partners. Um, I, and I don't, I'm not great at this, but it's, it's that prioritizing. There's a book called Why Quitters Win. You can't have a long to-do list. You feel guilty, and you will sometimes do something lower down because it's easier. Right. You've got to quit doing certain things. Hmm. I like reading books. <laughs> <laughs> What's one of your favorite books recently? Um, Eric Greitens' book, Resilience, because it talks about something that um, Ryan Holiday also wrote, The Obstacle is the Way. Face the part where things have been tough or bad and stay grounded and see what you learn. And um, then look for a way to do it better. The sign of mental health isn't that you don't have problems. You just go on to better ones. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and and um, I also stand out by Dory Clark. She's very specific and cites mostly other people. It includes me, but other people. But how you stand out by adding value to other people's lives and getting very, very specific what Joe Calloway calls becoming a category of one. He wrote a book called that. So I was looking over to my left, and there's something called um, the other F word, John Danner and Mark Coopersmith, How Smart Leaders, Teams, and Entrepreneurs Put Failure to Work. It's very good. They're hmm. good guys. That's so those awesome. are some of them. And we actually, I actually just had Dory on the show the other day, and uh, she's phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal, by the way. Um, I want to conclude by asking you, uh, you know, you, you mentioned this, uh, this idea of like really keeping your feet grounded and just evolving and continuing to grow. How have you most evolved throughout your, your whole career? I think it's overcoming, it's becoming less rigid and righteous when people do things that I find are unjust or you know, if someone acts like a jerk in the moment, you're acting like a jerk back doesn't really help. I'm not great at it. I'm just better than I was. To not let somebody else determine my behavior. And to know that there's always a way to learn out of any situation you put yourself in. I think I'm better that way. And I'm just more and more clear about the power of specificity. The more I got clear, then I could know, actually, that's not what my top mission is. It's five degrees over. So... Clarity and specificity, they're the pathway to anything, I think. Mm, I love that. Well, Kari, I really can't thank you enough for being on the show, for sharing a little bit about your life and your business journey. It's absolutely fascinating. So thank you so much for being here. 
And you're really astute in the questions you ask. And no, I don't say that all the time. So <laughs> it's clear you seem to enjoy what you're doing too. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm so inquisitive and I just am always so grateful that people are so willing to answer my questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes across. It comes across. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored to be on your show. I just love this woman. I love Kari. She was so phenomenal and one of those women that you speak to and just feel completely engulfed by her energy of giving and supporting and mutually helping one another out. And, you know, I hope that you got there, you know, in our back and forth conversation that that is just such a foundational business philosophy of mine and I believe for those uh, women and men and just people everywhere who are the most successful that how can how can I help you? How can we help each other? How can we all raise each other up? And I just love that she's so passionate about that. She just, I mean, every part of the conversation, no matter where it was, kept leading back to how we can all do that. Um, some very practical things that she spoke about that I thought were very interesting is having strategic groups, um, formally forming groups around you of people who are great strategic partners for you, people who have complementary businesses can help you out. You both are both, uh, you know, attracting the same market. Um, And, you know, as a podcaster and as a writer, uh, being in touch with your audience really rang true for me. And I hope it did for you too, because um, if you got the point that she really, truly listens to her audience, her listeners, um, her clients, and it was so profound to hear how in tune she was with them, how willing she was to listen, to get feedback, to hear so that she could best serve them, um, which I know sounds like, duh, of course, but it, it's not that common. <laughs> so I just thought it was very profound on the level of which she spoke about its importance and how much she practices it throughout her journalistic career uh, and her consulting and speaking career as well. So those were just a few things. Uh, There were so many in here. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear how this story really impacted you or some aha moment that you had while you were listening. So Uh, If you were driving or if you were running or cooking dinner or something like that during this interview, take some time um, on your phone and go to bizwomenrock.com and put a little comment in this section and let me know what you thought. Or you can go on to Facebook or Twitter and just, you know, shout it out. Let me know what you loved about this. I love hearing from you and what your thoughts are about this and how it's really touching you or, you know, making you think about a certain thing or giving you an idea. I just love that. So, all right. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Adios. Adios.